Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer, bang, bang, it's good, Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer. Don't miss a beat, whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four, for four, welcome to the NBA. The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Good afternoon to my friend here, Ronan, across the pond. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad glad we get to do uh, do one of these podcasts on, on my time for once. You know, feel 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 happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're, I'm, I'm not getting a uh, twelve o'clock midnight podcast performance out of you, but uh, I'm glad to be hopping on this morning because we had a lot of action last night. A um, couple important games we want to break down. But uh, we can just do a little swath across the league. Um, let's break down some big performers last night. Uh, first of all, another massive performance from Bradley Beal. 47 points, four rebounds, six assists, four steals. in another frustrating loss against the Pelicans of all teams. And the Rangers team just keeps getting worse. Um, did you see that video of him the other night just shaking on the bench? Just out of his mind. I mean, the guy just needs to get out of there. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I get. I'm getting the feeling that that last night was was kind of like a final straw for him. I mean, just seeing it's now ten straight games where he's scored forty points or more, and the Wizards have lost, which is just it, it's just a shocking stat, really. I mean, you hear that and you just think. Okay, I'm literally all this team has. I mean, last night, looking at it, it was literally Bradley Beal against the Pelicans. And I guess it was a good night for them. They had both Brandon Ingram and Zion, both uh, back 32 points each. Zion even attempted a, a three-pointer. He didn't make it now, but he, but he at least <laughs> attempted it. So it's good it, to see him at least taking it, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's de- it was definitely a good night, good night for the Pelicans, and they'll probably just hope now that they – got that nice confidence booster and they can uh, kick on from there. Absolutely. Um, so it's a huge win for the Pelicans. I mean, a must need win. I think you expected this from the Wizards and you weren't sure what you expect from the Pelicans at this point. I mean, there sounds like they're shopping the team and we'll be getting into that. Um, I'm guessing over the next couple of weeks, we'll see if they end up making a move. But again, Bradley Beal, huge respect to him for not, even requesting a trade at this point. Like it's, it's surprising to me that we just continue to see these losses pile up and these huge performances come from him. And he's still just not a whisper from him, not, nothing. I mean, he, the worst he said is uh, they, <laughs> they asked him last night, are you frustrated? Which was, I mean, a stupid question. He said, is the sky blue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he gave a good, that was a good response to that. I think, yeah. Uh... He did, didn't want to. I'm sure he was probably tempted to go off on all his teammates, but he he showed the respect he has for for the Wizards as a franchise and for his teammates, and that's always a good sign. But but at 
the same time, this is a guy who is extremely talented and should be playing on a team that are competing in postseason basketball. So he's got to do something. He's got to find a way to just hint to the Wizards that his time is up in Washington and he needs to move on because if not, he's going to waste a very, very promising career. Yeah. And another big win for your guy, Colin Sexton. He's continuing his scoring streak and he drops 29 points on the listless Detroit Pistons. Um, they're staying 500, staying competitive. And I mean, it's looking at this point that we're just going to get used to these um, scoring performances from Sexton. And that's just something that maybe is just not going to go away. Hey, yeah, that's, that, that's always been my feeling. That's a, I've, been wait, I've been waiting now for that, for that to start, uh, for people to start talking like that now. But uh, yeah, again, it was another impressive game from him. The, all around, really, I think, of course, it's only the, the Pistons. I think every team in the NBA almost is looking forward to playing against the, 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 the Detroit Pistons at this point. But <laughs> you can only beat what's out in front of you. And Sexton is kind of at the beginning of what looks like it's going to be a breakout year for him. So he just needs to keep putting the numbers up on the board and just putting an honest, honest performance every time he goes out in the court because that's all you can really ask of your star players. And if that transitions into making 25-plus points a night, happy days for Cleveland. Yeah. Interesting uh, thing to watch here is uh, Jared Allen. You know, that's their young guy they acquired in the James Harden trade. He only plays 20 minutes um, while drumming. That's 28 minutes in this game. And he led the team with a double-double, 23 points, two blocks, five steals, 16 rebounds. Um, meanwhile, Jared Allen uh, has a pretty quiet night uh, against a Pistons team. You'd expect him to get a little bit more run. And he only got 10 points and one rebound. So you wonder how this competition is going to go out. Are, are they going to really force it? It doesn't look like they're going to force it towards uh, Allen and, and just try and make this young core. I think they're going to make them compete on a night to night basis. You know, whoever has it going, they're going to go to. So if you're holding on to Jared Allen stock, uh, might want to wait until Drummond's moved. doesn't look like he's going to really be putting up these performances he was in Brooklyn until a move is made. Yeah, that's why I, I think uh, Drummond, that's why I don't think Cleveland will try and trade Drummond too aggressively. I think if the right uh, trade comes about, they won't, they'd probably be willing to go for it. But I think there's going to be games throughout the season where it's going to suit them to have Drummond in at center. And then there's going to be other games where he's going to be of no use yet and you need a guy like Jared Allen in there. So I think they're going to be happy to have the both of them for this season. And only make a trade if a good deal kind of crops up. If someone makes them an offer and, and, and it's kind of hard for them to refuse, I don't think they'll go exploring offers too much. Yeah. And quick highlight for um, our guy, Jeremy Grant. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, thought it was a big mistake for him to leave Denver. Thought, you know, it's it was a shame to see him go to a situation and try to be the number one guy and, preseason and some of the early games showed that you know, maybe he's not the best go-to or he's probably not the best go-to option, but he's making the most of it. I mean, he's had another 20 point performance, 26 points, two assists, three rebounds. Um, and on the season, 
he's doing he's doing well he's he's averaging 24 points he's he's shooting more than he has before and he's he's clearly been asked to play make a lot more when he can and he's having a season high assist as well so i i think he's he's starting to settle into a role of being the go-to guy and obviously for the pistons it's not working out for for them <laughs> as a team but i'm i have been impressed with how well he's played and he's not doing it inefficiently um and i mean just for the for the nuggets it's, it's a shame that you know they didn't have that guy but um another game in the west last night uh we had the dallas mavericks against the utah jazz and we covered the jazz the other night um on an eight game win streak they're extending that to 10 now they barely made it over the the knicks even though the the score, the score at the end of it didn't show just how much of a grinding game that was against the Knicks. Um, they had shot two for 14 in that half and then came back. They survived a blazing hot 25-point, 100% from the field performance in the first half by Austin Rivers. And then uh, they faced Luka Doncic. And in this game, Rudy Gobert just absolutely dominated. He looked like a star on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I mean, he was unbelievable. And they were without Donovan Mitchell. He was in a concussion protocol after hitting his head against the Knicks. And they didn't really seem to miss him. I think that shows the strength of this Utah team and just the, mm-hmm. the confidence that they're playing with, that they didn't, they weren't without Mitchell. And then they weren't kind of panicking and thinking, oh, crap, what are we going to do now? We, we, we don't have our guy. Gobert stepped up. They played through him a little bit more. And he was as solid as ever on defense, and he absolutely dominated. Didn't have an answer for him on either end, Dallas. And uh, yeah, it was a very, very impressive performance from, from Rudy Gobert and, and the Utah Jazz against Dallas. Yeah, and continuity is going to be a huge thing for these teams, um, not just from last season to this season, which I think is a huge factor for how well the Jazz have played, um, but also in terms of how many stretches you get to actually play with their starting lineup. Um, this is the first time Josh Richardson has seen the floor with the starters in um, many games now. He hasn't been in for weeks. Chris um, Stapps Porzingis is still getting acclimated. I mean, he went eight for 18, and clearly he was not the answer to stopping uh, Rudy Gobert, who absolutely feasted on them for 29 points um, and just couldn't be stopped on the boards. He had a season-high 20 rebounds. And... I think the story for the Jazz here, too, is, like you said, they don't have Donovan Mitchell, um, but they just have so many playmakers there that, like, uh, Joe Ingles, super underrated playmaker, led the team, eight assists. You can just see that he can come off the bench and give you um, pick-and-roll minutes. You can rely on him to be the point guard. You can run Mike Conley off, and the whole starting unit was in the positives. Everyone on the team was a net positive, and that just shows on the court just how well they played together um and a little concerning for the Mavericks um you know you you feel like when you have Luka Doncic um anything's possible you should be better than eight and ten um but a little bit of a lost magic this season I feel yeah it's definitely there's definitely something I I can't quite put my finger on what the issue is obviously they've had issues with injuries and COVID but even without that they're still just not the team that they were last year course it's still only early in the season but they might need to look at make possibly making a move before the trade deadline or maybe it's just the question of keep on playing get all your guys up to 100 percent, and things will kind of uh, 
get back to the way they were last year. That's kind of the two ways I, I'd be looking at it right now. Yeah, I mean, Lucas struggles with shooting, still continuing for the year. He's barely shooting 28% uh, from three. Um, his efficiency down low is at an all-time low. And, I mean, he's still managing to score. Um, that's that's something he can still do on a night-to-night basis. But you want to see them gel a little bit better. You want to see Porzingis obviously get back into the group. He hasn't played uh, real competitive basketball in months. So it'll, it'll take time. Um, the impact of James Johnson and Josh Richardson is just nothing. They haven't been a net positive this year yet. Um, and that's really concerning for a quiet offseason. You, you hope that those acquisitions did a little bit more that you thought maybe they'd be sneaky moves to really fill in the defensive end and provide some outside shooting. But um, it looks like keeping Seth Curry might have been the, the best decision for them. And I mean, I think this is a good time, if any, um, this is the main game we want to talk about. Let's, let's dig into the highlight game, the potential finals matchup. You never know what will happen in the East of the 76ers against the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, they battled throughout the whole game. It, it had this feeling of a playoff game. You got 39 minutes out of LeBron James, 35 minutes out of Anthony Davis, and Joel Embiid playing through what looked like could have been a scary injury. And just down the stretch, um, this felt like a convincing playoff or championship matchup. And I'm just interested to see, like, what, what did you think there? Did, did you feel like this was a, a real statement win from the 76ers? So that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think, obviously, there were stretches of a game where the, uh, the 76ers threatened to turn it into a blowout victory. There was large uh, stretches during the game where they they got up to double-digit leads, but they just couldn't completely kill off the Lakers. Of course, again, that just shows how good this Lakers team are. But last night, Philly had their three-headed monster. They had Ben Simmons, Embiid, and Harris all on top form. Ben Simmons had a triple-double. He was super aggressive. One steal, one block, and just one turnover in the entire game. And when he's that aggressive on offense and he's still doing his impressive defensive work, which he did uh, for large periods of the game on Anthony Davis, this is just huge for Philadelphia. And of course, Embiid was great again. Had that little scare with the injury. Hope you hope that he was just it was just kind of an impact injury and he was able to kind of run it off. He he did stay in the game and he came back out for the fourth quarter as well. And then Tobias Harris has been super efficient scoring this year. And he was the guy that they went to to score the winning shot. Sunk it. Nothing but net with just uh, just over two seconds left. I mean if Philly can get this trio playing like this consistently, it, you really kind of think about Philadelphia in the Eastern Conference final question alongside Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee. Absolutely. I A couple of things for Philadelphia. Um, I, I thought it was impressive how well they played them defensively. Matisse um, Thibel, man, he needs to get more run on that team for sure. You saw stretches of him being on an island with LeBron. Um, you see when LeBron gets, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say desperate, but when, when the Lakers need a bucket, they go to him in the post. He, he can play and make from the post. He can decide if he wants to score. And Thibault did an excellent job denying him in the post. He did an excellent job cutting off passing lanes, 
stripping Anthony Davis for a key possession in the fourth. And um, they, if they can deploy Danny Green out there and Matisse Thybul, that's huge for their defense. And if they can do that against the Lakers, I definitely think they can do that against the Nets. They can do that against the best of the best. And watching them grow the, these rotations, I think Doc Rivers is starting to experiment a little bit more. Um, you saw Shake Milton get some run in the in the early fourth, along with Tyrese Maxey. And I think that's a really, really interesting lineup. You know, you, you got Embiid out there um, as a primary screener, but you don't rely on him to to be taking all the shots because you, you just let Maxey, you let Milton, let them go off, let them get to the rim, let them get their floaters, let them play dynamically, play young, and and they can make mistakes out there because Embiid can clean up the garbage. He can clean up any defensive mistakes. And they, they have some options here to really deploy a – very deep team that can shoot, that can run through Embiid. I mean, he's leading the league by far in post-ups. I mean, you'd think that he's close to Jokic, but it's it's not even close. It's the uh, post-up frequency that he's at right now. It's 36% to Jokic's 26%. And he's scoring on over half of these possessions. And he's in the 84th percentile right now in the league in, in post-scoring, um, which leads Jokic by a mile almost 22%. So he's, he's been playing at an MVP rate. And I, I think what, what you mentioned about Simmons is watching Simmons weave in, like playing in the dunker spot, even, even though that's not an impressive part of basketball, being able to use him at least a little bit effectively on the offensive end when Embiid is posting up, and that's huge. And for him to be efficient with his playmaking, only having that one turnover there, it was impressive that, he was able to do it, but what would you think about him in the fourth? I think when, when the Lakers really started to lock down and they chose their matchups a little more wisely, um, I saw some stretches there where Simmons did look out of place, out of sorts. When he had the ball in his hands, you know, everyone just collapsed into the paint and got right up on the shooters, and it didn't seem like they could really even use him when, they were, when the Lakers were fully engaged. Yeah, I think that, that that's that is a fair point. I think he did the most of his work early on in the game when it was kind of going back and forth. They were just trading buckets. That's when Ben Simmons was at his best when he was able to use his speed and his uh, quality to to uh, get up for for dunks and layups and, and uh, kick out passes. So that's again the weakness. That's the risk you run with with a guy like Ben Simmons. On defense, he can just do so much for you as a 6'10 guard. But then on offense, the top teams will be able to easily come up with a plan to stop him from being very impactful at all on the, on the offensive end. And that's, again, that's the issue with Ben Simmons. That's kind of why you think that they're probably going to have it in the back of their minds about possibly trading him, maybe for Bradley Beal. That's that's just kind of that's unfortunately, end of the day, offense always beats defense. So if you can get an elite offensive player for a guy like Ben Simmons, there is a very high possibility, no matter what team you are, that you're going to make that move. And that's that's the risk that that that, uh, that Simmons runs at, at this very moment. Yeah, and. You, you had that feeling in the fourth that the Lakers were surging. They were on 13-0 run. They looked like they were getting every stop they wanted. And Alex Caruso, I mean, 
like he's just one of those guys that is there at the right time every single play like he got two offensive rebounds in a row one he hit for three the other which ended up going to um Dennis well, Schroeder, who yeah it's Wesley Matthews for a three down there yeah, yeah. So they, they, their role players really stepped up. The Lakers role players really stepped up mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, picking up the scoring. And in the moment where they needed a bucket, I think they went to the right guy. Joel Embiid, after going eight for 13, was just not getting any points unless he was getting fouled. Like he just didn't look right until he had that amazing reverse layup against Anthony Davis. Um, which I want to talk about in a second because um, I thought that was a key play. Him and Anthony Davis did duels all night long. But to see Tobias Harris get the right play, get that switch on Alex Caruso, I mean, 6'8", got wingspan, and he has that mid-range game that is really crucial to getting your shot in the fourth. For him to hit that score, I think that was, that was a big statement. I, I think that that should be something that Philadelphia looks at in the late game scenarios like that. He needs to be the guy that takes that shot. Embiid can't get doubled all game long and be bruising on the defensive end and then be expected to have the energy to score for the game. Like Tobias Harris has been their most efficient scorer. He's been their best shooter. He's been dynamic off the pick and roll on off ball. Like I think he's, this is the year that he's going to be the guy. I think he was looked at when he's in the Clippers in the first year with 76 was a little bit disappointing, but you looked at him when he was on the Clippers, like this guy's a rising star. This guy should be an uh, go-to offensive player who can score on every level. And I think this is his year to prove that his contract, that big fat contract that no one wants to talk about, that that, that was a worthy price to pay for someone who can win you the game against the defending champs. Yeah, absolutely. I think Tobias Harris was, was one of the, big disappointments for me last year because when he first came into Philly in that trade uh, it was midway through the season he was very very impressive and he looked like he was kind of like a missing piece along with with Jimmy Butler that came into this Philly team and really turned them into something of course the the famous bounce of the ball that uh, knocked knocked Philly out, out of the playoffs yeah. that year uh. was was a killer and maybe that had an impact on his game last year I don't know but he talked a lot and he talks about how much he loved playing under Doc Rivers. And it, it looks like we're seeing that this year because he has been very impressive, so much better than last year. He's been so efficient scoring the ball. And the biggest thing about that shot last night was how tough of a shot it was because Caruso defended him really, really well. And he just knew what he wanted to do and he went about it and he made that shot look easy when it really wasn't at all. Absolutely. Um so that matchup on AD, and we, we've talked a lot about the 76ers here. I think we're a little, little biased. I think moving, <laughs> moving over to the Lakers, um, Dennis Schroeder um, continues to impress me. I mean, you look at the box score, 16 points, okay, not, nothing to, to go crazy about. But the way that he really started to tear apart the 76ers defense um, – for one of the best interior defensive teams in the league, he was just too fast for any of the uh, any of the defenders for the 76ers. I think the 76ers are built very well to deal with athletic wings. Matisse Thybul, Danny Green, Ben Simmons, guys who can really defend strong athletic wings. But Dennis Schroeder is that kind of guy. He can get past 
anybody. He went to his right hand, see that left to right crossover, right hand finish. I, I think I think it was for five out of his seven buckets there. And he knew that he could do it every single time. Um, and then finally, they they really were hedging hard to the right. And then he just gets this easy floater to left hand to get the Lakers closer in their 13-0 run. Um, he just plays so smart. And it, it really reminds me of a supercharged offensive Rajon Rondo, the way that he scores basketball. And I've been continually impressed with how he gels alongside LeBron, alongside Davis. And he's going to be really key for them going deep in the playoffs this year, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when you look at the box score or maybe having not watched the match, you think, okay, yeah, it's not really anything. But it was the fact that all 16 points came in the second half. And when he got them points, they were at vital moments for the Lakers to stay in touch with Philly. Of course, they still ended up losing, but they were literally, they would have been dead and buried if it wasn't for some of those key baskets that Shredder made. And that's that's what he's going to be able to do for the entire year. He is such a talented player. We saw, especially last year, with uh, being being sixth man of the year in OKC. And he was just so confident as well because early on in the game, he, he went for a few uh, runs at, at the rim and failed to score, but that didn't deter him at all. And he just got focused, spent a little bit of time on the bench, came back out and was fully confident he knew he could get his shots. He worked on whoever was guarding him and he stepped up when the Lakers needed him. And that's exactly what he's going to do all year and why he's going to be, why he was such an important addition this offseason. How did you feel about Anthony Davis this game? I mean, he, he did shoot 50% for the floor. He had 23 points. He had two assists, eight rebounds. Um, it was a good performance from Davis, but you didn't feel like he impacted the game in the same way that Embiid was. Um, no. I mean, the, their, their box score performances don't really speak to it, but it, it felt a lot like Embiid was the go-to player. Like everything ran through Embiid. Um, and this game, you know, with LeBron playing 39 minutes, everything felt like it had to go through LeBron. Um, and I, I don't think this is really a testament to how Anthony Davis has played through the year, but I don't think he's he's really built out to be the guy when you're the other opposing big is someone as dominant as Joel Embiid. I, I don't think that they could have went to him in these situations. Like he wasn't really getting that many uh, looks in the post against Embiid. And I mean, I don't think you need to when you have a team like the Lakers and you you're deep enough to be relying on other guys. But what, what, what do you think about his uh, performance? Yeah, again, I, I don't want to say I was disappointed. It was more so just, it was just kind of the way this the season has started for Anthony Davis. He just has not been able to dive into that unbelievable form that we saw for the entirety of last year. Uh, still a very solid game, but the biggest thing that I noticed was he was zero of three from three-point land, and he was just five of ten from the free throw line, and like that's 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 not what Anthony Davis does on, on a on a on a regular night. And I think you have to give credit to Philadelphia in in, in that sense because Ben Simmons did a good job on him for for large periods of the game, uh, and Bede had a few plays on him as well. I think it was Philadelphia played him well, but I still believe that. 
it was more so just the fact that AD just hasn't hasn't really got going yet this year, rather than Philly are just just have his number and they're they're able to just gonna be able to dominate him on defense. I don't I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really glad you brought up Ben Simmons because I think that was that was an unspoken um, part of Ben Simmons' impact on this game that really allowed um, them to prosper. Is having your point guard play Anthony Davis in the post? That's something that you know you, you can't you can't value. Like again, Anthony Davis had a had a good game by any means, but you see Anthony Davis value when you are forced to switch. And you don't really get a whole lot out of the LeBron James and Anthony Davis pick and roll when you're switching from Joel Embiid to Ben Simmons. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna really get a a lot of uh, offensive output out of that. And you know that that's something again we we, we got to think about what, what is Ben Simmons value? What what does Ben Simmons bring to a team? Okay, maybe he's not shooting threes. Maybe he's not shooting twos. He's not really shooting at all. Period. But if your point guard is playmaking and he's defending every position, he's defending Anthony Davis. That's, that's something you can't really, I don't know. You, you can't really put a number on that. Um, and I mean, we will at the end of the season when we, when we look at his defensive impacts over the year, but um, you know, when you start to think about their upcoming matchups facing the likes of the Celtics and Jason Tatum facing the likes of the Nets and Kevin Durant, um, we really want to think about like how important that's going to be beyond like his, his scoring potential. Um, so I think last thing I want to talk about here with the 76ers and the Lakers um, is Taylor Horton Tucker. Actually uh, it was interesting. He only got seven minutes in this game. Um, they were a quiet seven minutes, um, but in a game like this, uh, I would have thought they would have wanted someone with his size, with his switchability, with his athleticism to really match up with 76ers. Uh, maybe, yeah. I think it was going to be hard to bring him in and get him minutes when they went so far behind. I'd say that probably had an impact. They were down when they were down early in the first and they were quite basically down significantly up until, up until close to the halftime. I think that's probably one of the reasons why he didn't get as many minutes. And of course, for lots of bench players, it's it's the impact you have when you get those minimal minutes. That's that's when you have to really show it. I'm not saying they're gonna play through him. It's not it's not it's not all on him that he didn't show enough to get more time on the court. But I just think the 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 situation, the the, the score, the scoreboard, I think that's kind of what stopped LA from giving him a bit more a bit more time on the court. But you kind of look at the likes of like Gasol got a few more minutes than he's usually usually has. Harrell kind of played. Eh, he he was pretty he was pretty non-existent as well, other than fouling. But I think there was a, there was a few uh, Lakers bench players that didn't get as many minutes, and a couple of kind of their starters that kind of played the, those those few extra minutes, and that that kind of all contributed to uh, to that sort of situation there. That's that's true. Um, you know, the, the hype has died down for a little bit for him uh, since preseason. Everyone's heralding him as the third Lakers star. And it, it's clear that we, we need to cool off on a lot of these um, anomalies in the beginning of the season. I mean, look at Tyrese Maxey, who um, 
<laughs> again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that if he was the guy, if that was the guy that was really holding the 76ers back from the from the Harden deal, again, could be money, could be picks, but if that if that was part of it, like this guy only played six minutes. He didn't play meaningful minutes in a an important game. Um, he tested him out a little bit in the fourth along with Milton, but um, it's clear over the over the course of the year, a lot of these young guys are gonna be cast to the side because they need that experience. They need to have their best players in. And um, and speaking of continuity, uh, there, there's another team that the Lakers are gonna play, Celtics on Saturday. Um, a team that you expect is going to be knocking on the door for the championship as well this year. And the Lakers, I believe this was really their first full game of all three starters. You got Kemba, you got Jason Tatum, you got Jalen Brown. You want that to be your big three in Boston is their their chance against the San Antonio Spurs. And um, I thought it was a very disappointing outing for them, especially that late game stretch where Kemba, they're up one. Kemba's got the ball top of the key. He's got Jason Tatum on Patty Mills. I mean, Patty Mills, he's, he's doing everything he can to front Tatum. He is. He's a physical guy. But Jason Tatum is, I, well, I, I haven't checked it. Is he, is he still 6'8"? Is he 6'9"? Is he 6'10"? I don't know. Is he 6'11"? He, he's whatever he wants to be. <laughs> <laughs> but point is, like, they, they couldn't get the ball. Kemba couldn't get the ball into him. And... Look, DeJounte Murray is one of the, the best uh, stealers of the ball in the league. He's got arms for days. And Kemba Walker had no business going ISO on him when Jason Tatum is on Patty Mills. And he gets stripped. And that's essentially the game right there. And I, I thought that was, you know, it's one play, but that's a microcosm of the issues that they're going to have down the stretch. And who gets the ball? Who is going to be the go-to scorer? Tatum? Brown or Kemba, and I, I think when you got Brown, when you got Tatum, some of the plays that they had down the stretch there, like they need to do better to use the gravity of those two offensive stars. Like Brown is an offensive star now. They, they need to get them more incorporated instead of going to an ISO. It, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense in my mind. No, definitely not. I, yeah, I think overall it was just disappointing for, for Boston. They, they've got Tatum back now. I He's going back from from COVID. You, you think maybe he's not at one hundred percent just yet. Still look pretty good as the Brown Brown with twenty four, four boards, five assists. Tatum twenty five, seven boards, two assists. But on the whole, it was basically just it was just a bit sort of lazy and dysfunctional performance for the first basically two and a half quarters from Boston, and that's ultimately what cost them. Because when they got ahead towards uh, at the end of the third, start of the fourth, I was like, "Okay, Boston have copped on now. They're gonna they're gonna kick on and win it now." But the Spurs this year, they just they're showing that grit that all the great Popovich teams have. I'm not saying they're gonna do what some of the great Popovich teams have done, but they they've got that little bit of grit, that little bit of fight. And, and when you come and play against this Spurs team, you better be ready to play in a tough game or else you're going to lose against them. I mean, they've not got any real superstars, but last night it was just all about consistency from them. DeMar DeRozan, 21, five and seven, shot seven of eight from the field. He was two of two from three. All their starters had double digit points and three of them had 18 plus. 
And the biggest thing for them, they shot 56% from the field as a team. It was just such an efficient offensive performance. And they just showed the heart and grit that, that they're going to have to show all year to, to kind of probably not make it into the playoffs, but maybe be in the conversation for the playing game. Yeah, that I would not want to play the San Antonio Spurs for two games straight. That would not, if I'm holding on to that eight seed, I, I'd be scared. I'd be scared. And what do you think about their young guys? Um, Keldon Johnson starting to to catch uh, the eyes of the league at 18 points tonight, had a nasty crossover on Jalen Brown and dunked it home with two hands. He had, he has flashes of athleticism that I honestly didn't think he had coming into the draft. Um, he was kind of a iffy pick, but he's starting to look like another one of these guys that the Spurs just get in the late first round that um, could be productive and who knows how far he takes it. Yeah, I think that's all. It's all. It's just the, the Spurs have as one of them franchises where you just kind of always question where they where they find these guys, how they manage to get these guys ahead of other people. But it's it's also a testament to what a great coach Popovich is. I think hasn't had much time to work with with, with his guys uh, heading into this year, but they're showing much a much improved team than they were last year, and I think. As much as obviously Pop, one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen in this league, I'm sure he wants to have his team right up there and challenge it. And I think he's happy to be with his young team and developing young stars so that maybe when he, by the time he calls it the day, the Spurs might be set up and ready to challenge once again. Absolutely. And um, you can you can hear uh, construction in the background. I, I think that's that's about our time here. Uh, perfect timing. I think we touched on everything we wanted to from last night, but looking ahead to the Lakers and Celtics, I want to know what, what are going to be the keys of the game? Cause I think that's going to be a huge, huge game for the Celtics, not just to challenge the Lakers, but your, your little brother down there in Philadelphia just had a huge game to beat them. I think it's gonna be very important for them to compete and to win against LeBron. What, what do they need to do? You think to, to compete against that? They just need to, they need to set up right. They need to look at what Philadelphia did and try their best to kind of do a similar sort of thing, especially on defense. And another big thing is going to, it's going to come down to the performance of, of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Unfortunately, at this moment, Kemba's still not back at 100%. You can't really rely on him to be uh, your game winner. So it's going to come down to Tatum and Brown, whether they can step up down the stretch and more importantly, consistently throughout the whole game because facing this Lakers team is a challenge no matter who you are, no matter how you've been playing all year. And it's kind of one of the, arguably the biggest challenge that the, sec, the, uh, the Celtics have faced this year. And it's time, Philly answered the call. Can you do it? So in terms of on the floor, if you're the Celtics, how do you stop Anthony Davis from scoring 40 on you? Who, who do you put on him? 76ers had an answer. They had Embiid and, and they had Simmons, two all NBA caliber defenders. And they had mixed in Matisse Thybul, who is just, I mean, we've talked about him at length. I mean, he's an excellent defender. So their worst defender who who played on on AD was Tobias Harris and, and Matisse Thybul. Um, whereas the Celtics, you're going to be relying on 
Tristan Thompson to really carry the load there. Daniel Tice is, is going to get eaten alive by AD in the post, but um, I'm, I'm curious like what, what they can do there to figure that out. I mean, I guess it depends what height Jason Tatum is on the night, you know? So uh, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens there. But uh, uh, to be honest, picturing it, I'm thinking it's going to be fairly similar to what Embiid did to the Celtics in those two games. They tried Tristan, they tried T- Tice, they tried anyone they possibly could, and MB just ate them alive. And if they can even keep AD at maybe 30, they will be absolutely delighted with that because looking at it from the outside, it's it, it's set up for AD to have an absolute monster night and just destroy this Celtics team. Yeah, I think the... The quick answer for that, if you're Brad Stevens, is you you got to send help. You got to send help and you got to rotate quick. And one thing you know about the Lakers is that they can move the ball really well. So, I mean, I'm looking at if, if Wes Matthews, Caruso, Kuzma, Morris, Caldwell Pope, Schroeder, if any of those guys are hitting their threes off those rotations, it's good night. Um, you, you got to hope they have a bad shooting night, send help where you can, and you pray you just make up the points on the other end. Um, but that'll, that'll be an interesting game. I think that's going to be a big statement early on in the season. And um, I look forward to it. Look forward to breaking it down with you. Fun talking about these games here. Um, and what, what do we got? What do we got besides uh, Lakers Celtics? Anything else interesting on the horizon here? Yeah, I think that that's kind of the main one, as it always as it always is in, in, in any season. But at the end of the day, games all start kind of being important now. There's lots of teams that are challenging, lots of teams that are trying to stay above 500, lots of teams trying to get back above 500. So things are going to start getting interesting now. You're going to see the Heat get back to their full complement, see what they sort of bounce back they can have. What can Dallas do when they get all their guys at 100%? There's a lot of question marks still about a number of teams that were expected to do great things this season. So it's coming about time where it's not okay to just be in, in this sort of slump anymore. You've got to, have, got to start showing out and, and showing your best selves on the court. So it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on, uh, on all the games going on over the next few weeks. Absolutely, man. All right, we'll be here to break it down for you next time on Coast to Coast. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Ronan, I will catch you next time, man. Good talking to you. Yeah. on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment